0: Welcome to Terrific Tips for Business, where we help you catch the ideas that stick. The point of the podcast is to help you overcome hurdles so you can master your business. I'm your host, Terry Watkins, owner and chief idea catcher at SpinFrogs Consulting, where I work with small business owners to find the pitfalls in their marketing and lift them to success. Let's get to the show. Welcome to another Terrific Tips for Business. I'm Terry, your host. And terrific because you all know this already, you can't spell terrific without Terry. And I'm so glad to be here with you today. Today I have a new friend with me who was actually referred by one of our other guests, which is super cool. I love when that happens. So if you're a listener or if you're a guest and you have other people that you would love to be able to highlight cuz they have some great value to add, send them our way. We're always looking to have awesome conversations with amazing people. So today I have the master negotiator with us. This is Mr. Greg Williams. And Greg is a people person at heart and he really just cares for the well-being of others. This is why I like Greg. He's a really cool guy. And that's really why he teaches people how to negotiate better to help them increase their value. As a Harvard-trained negotiator, with the richness of 30 years of negotiation and reading body language experience, Greg Williams, the master negotiator and body language expert, has taught negotiation and reading body language skills to people throughout the world. Now you know why he's on the show, right? (laughs) He is an accomplished author, a speaker, a trainer, and is recognized worldwide as a thought leader on the topics of negotiation and reading body language, he's also been ranked ninth in negotiation and 18th in body language of the top 30 gurus in the world on those disciplines. In the capacity of TV news contributor, Greg has also appeared on all of the US major television networks and some even in other countries, which is super cool. He's written seven books about negotiating and reading body language, and he's currently working on number eight. But most importantly, he is here because he cares about you and he wants to help you be a better negotiator. Remember, we're always negotiating. So on that note, Greg, thanks so much for joining us this morning. (laughs)
1: Thank you for the invitation, Terry, and I look forward to dispersing some very helpful information that your listeners will be able to abide by in order to enhance their life.
0: Oh my gosh, and we so need it, especially as business owners and women in business, because I know we have a large women listening audience. What's one of the things that you've noticed over the years that women accidentally do that actually decreases their power when it's in a negotiation?
1: dependent upon the culture and i always start off with that because there's no one size fits all when you're speaking about negotiation tactics and strategies so dependent upon the culture in which a woman is actually currently in and or grew up in a lot of women tend to be more docile than their male counterparts. And it's because they were raised to be gentle and so forth and so on, loving and caring, and to, be ex- uh, to assert oneself uh, was seen as, uh, she's a little bit aggressive. Well, that's something that women have to take note of based on the environment that they're in. And at the same time, make sure that they get their point across and not be afraid to do so. And that's one thing that I've seen women do in negotiations. And that can also be a woman's strong suit because if a man thinks, oh, I'm gonna show this little woman the ropes and so forth and so on, yeah, 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 yeah. Go along with him, (laughs) see exactly what type of ropes he wants to show you. And while he's doing so, he'll be disclosing his full, negotiation strategy to you. Once you understand exactly what that is, you can then tear him apart.
0: Interesting. So while he's doing that, he's leaving little clues for how we actually can get the upper hand in the negotiation.
1: Uh, Exactly. That's exactly right. And, And think about this for a moment. If someone thinks they have the upper hand in a negotiation, a male counterpart in this particular situation, they will become more relaxed and more likely to stumble as they're engaging in the negotiation. Why? Because they have their guard down. They're negotiating in their mind against someone that doesn't possess the skill level that the male uh, thinks he possesses. And thus he's just going to ramble at times. He's going to disclose facts that one might miss if one was not attuned to what was being said, how it was being said, the body language that also was associated to the verbiage and the fact that this man thinks no matter what he does, he will not be challenged or his thoughts, his proposals will not be able to be addressed by his female counterpart. That puts him at a huge disadvantage. So from a female perspective, Be mindful of how you're perceived, first of all. Mm -hmm. That in and of itself will allow you to determine how to position yourself. And you actually start positioning yourself before you enter into the official negotiation based on the traits of the person with whom you'll be negotiating. Now, Terry, let's take this to another level. Yeah. Let's talk about a woman negotiating with another woman. Okay, you have a different dynamic there. Because one woman may think she's more dominant than the other, which again, goes back to that male dominant uh, thought process or characteristic. And even in situation, the woman that thinks she's more dominant has to be mindful of the fact that, wait a minute, if I project myself as being domineering in this negotiation, how does that position me? How might the other negotiator respond to my positioning. So there are all kinds of dynamics that go into the makeup of a negotiation and how it will flow based on the individuals and the characteristics that they possess that are involved in a negotiation.
0: Interesting. So is there like a checklist that we could have or that exists that would help us prepare for negotiations so that we can come in with the best foot forward?
1: Yes, there's a checklist, and no, there isn't the checklist. Now, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you what I mean by that. The yes aspect is you need to plan for the negotiation for what you want as your outcome, what you think the opponent really wants um, as an outcome. And I say what you think is because depending upon with whom you're negotiating, you can assume that the person wants X. And in reality, if the person's an extremely good negotiator, that will be the setup for you to think that person wants X or Y, whatever be the case. While in in reality, the person may really want Z. Or the person may set you up to think that he or she wants Z. And in reality, he or she really wants Y. So you have to perform what I call the planning stage of a negotiation to make an assessment of what you think the individual wants What the individual and you are willing to um, give, the concessions you're willing to offer, to reach the goals that you are willing to strive towards? At what points might there be potential impasses? And if they occur, how are you going to address those? What will you do if by chance the negotiation truly falls apart? And here's another aspect to that. No in a negotiation only means no for the moment. So that's the yes aspect of that. The no aspect of that is you always have to know with whom you're negotiating. And thus, you can make all kinds of plans. And a good negotiator may, dependent upon the situation that you're uh, negotiating in or for, may actually send you false signals about that individual such that you do mischaracterize it is that uh, she is. I knew of uh, one negotiator from many years ago that would set himself up by saying to his associates, make sure you know, the person that I'm meeting with knows that I do not like to shake hands. And that thought was permeated in the mind of the person with whom this individual would be meeting. Then as soon as the meeting occurred, the first thing that they uh, individual uh, that said, make sure they know that uh, I don't like to shake hands. The first thing he would do is shake the person's hand right away. The person was like, "Oh, he shook my hand," and that threw the person off of what his or her game was going to be, and uh, right away. So again, it's how you position yourself in a negotiation that determines how you'll be seen and how others will react to you in a negotiation. Which is why you had to be mindful of how you do go about positioning yourself.
0: That's very clever and also really manipulative. That's unfortunate that he did that.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, you you, you use the word manipulative. And if you think about it, I always say, hey, the word itself may not necessarily uh, convey a negative association to it. Because if you're standing on the curb and there's a car coming at you, Uh, doing 100 miles an hour, and you go to step off the curb without seeing the car and someone shoves you out of the way, they've manipulated you, but that's in a good way. But to your point, one has to understand also when you're in a negotiation, how someone else interprets a particular word. What does that word mean to them? And in having that person's definition of that particular word or phrase, you then know the intent of that individual when that individual uses that word in a negotiation. If I told you the sky was blue, hey, you could say, okay, so it's light outside, make assumptions. But if you don't truly know what my true meaning is, you don't know what I'm truly trying to convey.
0: That's a really interesting point. So before we enter in a negotiation, it might be good to ask some questions to figure out what they interpret different meanings to be of different words or different outcomes or things that they might be looking for so that way you don't go into it blind
1: well and and yes you're right again and uh, there's several aspects of how you can collect data as it were about someone's characteristics how they've negotiated it in the past and I, i teach negotiation tactics and strategies To individuals throughout the world, but in large, major corporations also, uh, Fortune uh, 50 top countries, uh, companies rather, throughout this country and throughout the world, Hollywood uh, producers, so forth and so on. And I say that to say, there's a plethora of information that you can gather about someone before you even meet them in person for the very first time. And thus you start making assumptions about their character based on how they've acted in the past, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the one thing you need to do when you do meet them in person is to start to set a baseline of their body language gestures that they use to convey the thoughts that are in their minds at any particular point in time and what I, in their mind at any particular point in time. And what I mean by that is, okay, you've gathered this information about this individual. So you have assembled a baseline of what you have to understand about that person prior to meeting the person in person. So now how you go about uh, fact checking that baseline is to observe what they do based on the stimuli that you may insert into a meeting before the negotiation officially starts. So if I say, for example, wow, this has really been a good day, hasn't it? And you go, well, every day is a good day. Now, did you notice the slight gesture in the head movement? Like, well, it was almost like shrugging it off too. Those little nuances are signals you can pick up on to tell, okay, so maybe the person is not in the best of moods right, right now. And then you test it by posing another question. Well, how is your day going? And the person says, ah, it's going so-so. Let's get down to business. Okay, now, what does that then tell you? That tells you the person is ready to go at it. Uh, no, I don't wanna have any chit chat. Is that the persona that he is going to project throughout the negotiation? As you enter into and start engaging in that process, you then give another assessment as to okay the person's softening up the person's becoming more stern etc cetera, etc cetera. and all of that becomes part of your uh, assumption in your negotiation plan number one and number two you then validate it as you are going through the negotiation process
0: i love that we all become the little human lie detectors right we've Ooh. all seen the show lie to me so Is there any truth in the show Lie to Me with how he determines those little facial tics? Because it sounds like body language and facial things kind of resonate on a similar level, don't they?
1: Oh, they definitely do. Think about it from this perspective. Your body always wants to stay and be in a state of comfort. Even when you're a baby, if you soil yourself, your body is out of that state of comfort and you cry. And you do so to get attention. As we grow older, we still want our body to stay in a state of comfort. And thus, when it's out of that state of comfort, somebody's lying, for example, they may uh, exhibit certain gestures, uh, covering the eye, uh, rubbing the ear. And and therein lies where you establish that baseline also about how someone feels in a particular moment but the facial expressions and the body language gestures should always be synchronized with someone's words. Now, there's an exception to that. Okay. The exception is the body language will usually precede someone's words ever so slightly. So if someone shakes, uh, nods or shakes their head and then they say yes or no, they are synchronized with their body language and words. and If you're not aware of that synchronization, you can miss the meaning that someone then conveys when they say no, and then they shake their head. (laughs) Okay, and as a body language expert, I look for little signals like that, uh, even when I'm in hostage negotiation situations to see where that person's mindset truly is. Here's something else also, from a body language perspective, when the body is out of its comfort zone, it will try to do something to put itself back into the state of comfort while words may continue to mislead its representation. And -hmm. thus, if I know I'm lying and I say, I know I'm lying, and there's a distinct difference between knowing that you're lying and thinking, well, maybe I'm telling the truth or maybe I'm not, and I'm not sure because again, the body wants to stay in a state of comfort. If I know I'm lying, and I start fidgeting, uh, moving around more than I have previously to that point, I will continue to do that the more I lie. Mm -hmm. Which means if you're observing those movements, you can continuously observe the fact that this person is feeling uncomfortable. Now, at that moment, you may not know the person is actually lying, but you know something is causing stress within that person, that person's body, is out of a state of comfort it would behoove you in a negotiation to then probe to find out what's causing that person the discomfort that his body is actually displaying
0: very interesting so our bodies give us away mm. <laughs> subconsciously and that makes a lot of sense because our subconscious really controls our body doesn't it
1: y- yes it does and here's the other aspect of it depending upon what situation you're in, it can also be the reverse. For example, you think you're not feeling well, all of a sudden you don't feel well. So in that, in that situation, your mind is controlling your body, but you've had the feeling of exult- of exhilaration pulsate through your body from time to time. And before you realize it, you may be up and moving around more, dancing, doing whatever. And you think, wow, what was the stimuli that caused that? Well, it happened at a subconscious level, but subliminally, you were not even aware that you were being stimulated. And that's something that could also be done through body language in a negotiation. You've heard about having someone follow you via the body language mirroring that you may exhibit or inject into a negotiation. That's one aspect of exact that. Yes, yes, yes. It could be rapport building or breaking rapport depending upon where you are in the negotiation. Everything is going along swimmingly well in the negotiation. So you and I are truly aligned with one another. Then all of a sudden you offer some form of a a request, me to make a concession or something of that nature. And all of a sudden I take a deep breath and I go, well, Terry, mm, things have been going well up to this point. what, what do you wanna do from this point? Uh, do you want to just put this offer to the side and come back and address it later? Or, um, well, give me your thoughts. Now, that could be a ploy of a negotiation too, but that's what I mean about how you can use such gestures to break rapport. Because now I'm no longer mirroring the happy times that we were experiencing as we were engaging in the negotiation process. And dependent upon what we are discussing at that moment, you may or may not want to make that concession just to get that good feeling that was flowing in the negotiation back into the negotiation. So there are all kinds of, I'll use your word again, maneuvers (laughs) that people can use in a negotiation to put it back on track, take it off track, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like this is a really... Uh, complex process. And it seems like it has to happen in like microseconds. So you've written so many books about this topic. What's What's one of the best books that you have that you would like to offer that helps us kind of start to train ourselves on picking up these microprocesses?
1: Well, well they're actually my, my last two books. Uh, I forget which years I wrote this. Um, I don't know. Are we visual
0: yes
1: okay so uh well these won't come through uh body language secrets to win more negotiations i believe i wrote in 2016 negotiating with a bully i actually wrote in 2018 both of those books not only have all kinds of clues and insights into how one can negotiate better but also what type of body language signals one should observe in order to enhance the negotiation process. And the next book is even going to go past that point because it's going to take into account some of the current events that are happening throughout the United States and the world and how they came about along with the negotiation process that got us to that point or to this point, I should say.
0: Very interesting, good. I wanted you to share both of those books so our Mm -hmm. listening audience can start to look for the best ways to move forward. So here's a question I have for you. We all get the random itch or the random, like (laughs) I've got something in my eye, right? Or I've I've got an itch in my nose. Like I'm not meaning to send any signals, but if somebody is really skilled at picking up body language, like right now my ear itches, you know, it's, (laughs) I'm not sending, I'm not trying to send a signal, but I might accidentally be sending a signal. Now, what do I do?
1: Well, remember I said you have to establish the baseline of how an individual uses his or her body gestures in particular situations, and that's the reason you establish it, because later on the person rubs their ear, okay, their ear itched, but you also have to look at a cluster of body language gestures to assess in reality what's really happening, so You rub your ear one time because I said, I don't think this deal uh, is going to come to fruition. And later on, uh, you rub your ear again when I say, uh, I don't like the way this negotiation is flowing. A third time, you rub your ear when I say, you know what? I think we need to bring this negotiation to an end. The gesture of you rubbing your ear when there's a negative association to whatever we're discussing then becomes more prominent. And thus, I can look at that gesture And when I talk about a cluster of gestures, observing a cluster of gestures, what if you did that rubbing of the ear gesture and you frowned all at the same time and you moved away from ever so slightly the position you held physically at the negotiation table. Well, looking at those cluster of gestures, I can then make the assumption that yeah, okay, now I know she has a tell and it is when she rubs her ear, she doesn't like what's going on. I can test it further by asking you something along the lines of what are you going to do once this negotiation fails? Now, Now listen how I use that question even to position how you might respond to me. And you might say, well, it's not going to fail. Well, no rubbing of the ear. If you then rub the ear again, again, you've given confirmation to that's one of your gestures, a go-to gesture that indicate, well, I'm not comfortable right now. I don't like what I'm hearing, the rubbing of the ear, et cetera.
0: Interesting. So never play poker with a master negotiator. It's probably not a good idea. <laughs>
1: You know, that's one reason why poker players will oftentimes wear glasses also, because they don't even want eye movement to give whatever hand they're holding away or give any clues to such uh, gestures. But you've heard about poker tails, as a matter of fact. And yeah, they occur. Somebody has a good hand and they'll give a momentary smile. Well, if you observe that, and they do it consistently when they have a good hand, you become aware that, hey, now I know she's holding a good hand at this particular moment.
0: I'm gonna fold and not bet against her. No. Exactly, <laughs> yeah.
1: exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Okay, all right. So there isn't really a checklist for us, but there are things that we could be looking for before we get into a room with somebody. And I'm sure social media has contributed to the ease of that look mm-hmm. and and research, right? So what maybe are some things that we want to find in somebody we're about to enter a negotiation with?
1: Do they have bullying tactics? Do they uh, possess, call it uh, go along to get along uh, because they either admire the person with whom they're negotiating or are they under timelines that make them more vulnerable to you slowing the pace Of the negotiation. Might they become slightly annoyed if you start talking a little slower than you normally do? You may have heard that people from the southern part of the United States don't necessarily like, well, I'm not going to say they don't like people that speak fast, but they will associate someone that speaks fast as living in the Northern part of the country because people in the Northern part of the United States tend to talk faster than those in the, United, uh, in the Southern part of the United States. And therefore you have to be aware of these little idiosyncrasies that people possess in order to make sure that you either bond with them or that you don't. So you wanna make sure that you understand that person's perspective, who they are, why they came to be the person that they are, what do they expect from you in the negotiation? How do they view you? Do they view you as someone that's going to be tough? If I view you as someone that may be a tough negotiator, I can do several things, even in my planning stage. In that case, I would make two different plans for how I might address your toughness based on what I've found, what I've gleaned about you from the internet or from other sources. And I'm going to use multiple sources to verify that I have honed in on your character and your personality to the degree that I really, really can such that I enhance my negotiation efforts before I even sit down at the table. So if I know that you are someone that may become rambunctious in a negotiation and I know that you've used that tactic as a technique to make someone become intimidated, I may play along with you initially. You may stand up, bang the table or something like that. I may literally pull away from the table momentarily or something of that nature to think, to let you think that, wow, okay, I've used this tactic before. It's working this time too. Then at some point, once I, again, like I referred to earlier, know where it is that you're headed with this ploy, I may also bang the table harder than you did. And I may stand up and I may literally lean across the table as to put more um has to put less distance between you and myself to convey the seriousness of whatever it is that I am saying, such that I now say, look, you think you're intimidating me. Damn it. I'm sorry. Darn it. Two people. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> okay. okay. We're, we're all adults here.
0: We'll let it <laughs> Okay, <stop>. <laughs> Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> so, so, so uh, the, the gesture, along with the verbiage then says, you're not going to intimidate me. As a matter of fact, you better watch out because I may just intimidate you. So those are the type of maneuvers you can engage in based on the individual with whom you're negotiating. Again, if you go with a a person that goes along to get along, I'm going to be more amenable. I'm going to speak at a pace and I'll usually mirror the pace of the person with whom I'm negotiating. And in so doing, again, you've heard the cliche, People like people that are like themselves. When you're mirroring someone, they're seeing themselves in the mirror that you are displaying. And thus, of course, they're going to like what they hear and say uh, or say, hear and um, see in you because they are seeing themselves. So, with a go along to get along person, I'm going to let the person know hey, you have nothing to fear from me. I'm working with you, you and I are on the same side to reach the outcome that's satisfactory to both of us. So no, I'm not going to browbeat you, I'm going to be respectful of you, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to adjust your negotiation style, again, based on the individual with whom you're negotiating. And may I I take a quick sidebar real fast, Terry, because something just came to mind. Okay, there's a TV commercial that I saw. And it says something about um, the person, one person is in the process of buying an automobile. And the person goes in and the salesperson, which happens to be somewhat of an elderly woman, offers the potential customer, or I should say, yeah, the potential customer, a cookie, and tells the uh, customer, the potential customer, the cookie is is home baked. Mm -hmm. The, 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 The commercial then goes on to say, so, she told you the cookie was home-baked, but she just bought them from the store. What else is she lying about? Now, I say, I say that to say, again, it goes back to the setup of how one presents oneself. That home-baked cookie aspect makes someone, uh, can put someone into a state of mind of reflection. Oh, wow, I remember when my mother, my grandmother used to bake cookies. Oh, yada, yada, yada. And while they're in that state of mind, you can really get your points across because the person is in a non-challenging, non-threatening mindset. So it's something that you should also keep in mind when you're negotiating. How can you put that individual, the other individual into a state of bliss? And while that person is in that state, you can really get that person to acquiesce to more of your requests.
0: Ooh, so being able to take advantage of things like aromatherapy or the warm cookie or the drink helps people to get into that state of bliss. And then, yeah, it it does change your negotiation tactics. It kind of eases everything up because everybody becomes more relaxed, right?
1: Oh, and that's the intent. You're absolutely right. The intent is to make that person feel more relaxed in his or her environment. And oftentimes people will say, well, who has the most power in a negotiation, the person in his or her own environment or the one that's entered into the environment? And my answer for a lot of negotiation questions are, or is, it depends. It depends on what occurs in that environment. I led a team of negotiators in one particular situation uh, whereby we were meeting in the other negotiation team's environment. And whenever things weren't going right per what that, team expected as its outcome, I started noticing the room would start to get warm. And I said to myself, no, this is not happening. It's just not, it's my imagination. But I took note of the fact that it happened several times after that. And I thought to myself, well, I'll be doggone. They're using a manipulation tactic of comfort to make sure that we start abiding by more of their concession request. And again, I, I, and what I finally did was literally just brought the topic right out in the open. I said, you know, one thing I've noticed is every time things aren't going your way, it seems to get hot in here. And the lead negotiator on the other side, sheepishly, sheepishly said, Well, uh, and and I don't know if you can see, I'm actually rubbing my collar now as I'm doing as I'm speaking. Well, um, yes, um, we've had problems with our heating system. And I said, okay, you just gave yourself away. Two things happened. Remember, someone will be stimulated to display a certain gesture based on what has been said. I called him out on on the fact that the heat temperature was being altered and it Seem to be aligned with when things were not going their way. He confirmed it, not only with his verbiage, but really with his body language, which is why paying attention to body language is so, oh, so important in any negotiation. And Mm -hmm. when you're in someone else's environment, you can control it by literally uh, saying what I just said a moment ago about, well, this doesn't feel right. And or if things aren't going uh, the way that you want them to go, You can tell the other person, let's go change the venue. Now, you may recall worldwide negotiations that have occurred with peace efforts between countries where, uh, gosh, I think it was during the Carter administration in the U.S. that he took uh, Menachem, Begin, and Arafat out for a walk. They had to get away from the negotiation table, was that? Carter? I'm losing track of US presidents now. But uh, they had to literally go for a walk. And the purpose of that was to change the environment, get out of that environment that was not necessarily fostering the type of engagement that was being sought. And by that change of venue, that change of environment, you then change the perspective of the people negotiating.
0: See, and that's interesting. I've heard that one before. And a lot of people in the sales world say that if they're going to go pitch somebody, they ask actually to go to a mutual ground. So they'll go out to a coffee shop or a restaurant or something to get that business owner, decision maker, whoever it might be out of their comfort zone and into a space where they can't control the environment because they're in a different environment and you're both in a different environment. The challenge there, though, is, is if you do that as a sales rep, that environment actually becomes your home turf. And so then you're not actually in a mutual environment. You're in an environment where you're going to win. So I like the idea of going for a walk someplace, because now that's someplace that is actually a mutual environment.
1: Yeah, yes, yes. And it's transformational, meaning it's not stagnant. You, you're moving you're literally not only moving, but the environment is literally changing as you are moving. And now let's, let's look at that environment of going into someone else's environment versus going to a mutual location also. Now, as a salesperson, you can glean a lot of additional information about someone based on being in their environment. You can see pictures of the uh, prospect that's uh, on a sailboat, hypothetically, uh, playing baseball. Uh, You see his family pictures there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can also then start to make some assumptions about what that person's life is like. And that can give you insight as to how you might bond with that person. So again, it depends on how it is that you are positioning yourself and with whom it is that you will be pitching in this particular case as a salesperson that you have to be mindful of as to whose environment you want to be in. That person's environment, a neutral environment, and to what degree either will serve your purposes. And that's the real point of making that decision.
0: So how is that being shifted in today's market space when everybody's meeting via Zoom? We're all in everybody's environment and in our own at the same time. So how does that change the table a
1: little? Excellent question, excellent question. Someone's environment while being physical can be metaphysical also. And what does that mean? That means the person can be in their head as we are. Whenever we're communicating with someone else, we're thinking about what we might say next, we're interpreting what we just heard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And to the degree that I bring you into my environment because I make you relaxed, number one, letting you know that you have nothing to fear. And if you're aware, you can even sense the tonality of my voice actually became just a touch softer. So when we are in a virtual world these days, there's still ways that you can pull somebody into your domain by allowing them to see what's in your domain. You're saying, hey, I'm open. I don't have anything to hide from you. Now, that's a subliminal thought process, but a lot of times people are motivated to move or act subliminally before they realize what they're doing. You've heard the person say, you know, I don't, I don't remember exactly how I got here. Yeah, okay, so you were on automatic. The same thing happens in a negotiation. Someone is feeling good and they just say yes to whatever your request is, until you say something that's so ridiculous that they then go, well, huh? <laughs> or they may even say yes to that because that's they that get I've into a repetitive it, yeah. mode. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Back that, up. whoa, 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 what the, what <laughs> type of thing. So that was an excellent question.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you. I so appreciate all of these amazing insights that you've gleaned over your 30 years doing this. It's obvious this is something that you've really studied and have really not just studied, but applied and tested and discovered on your own, as well as through the education that you've gotten. Mm -hmm. I know my listening audience wants to get engaged with you, wants to get access to those books. So what's going to be the best way for them to do that?
1: Well, they can always go to Amazon. And I'll tell you one thing about Amazon right now. Amazon has negotiating with a bully price at $2, $2, yes. And there's a wealth of information in that book. I think it's listed on our website for, I can't even remember, I think $19 or something of that nature. So that's one way they can get the books. Uh, they can reach me at Greg, that's G-R-E-G, at the, T-H-E. Master, M-A-S-T-E-R, Negotiator, N-E-G-O-T-I-A-T-O-R.com. And they can also go to my website, which is themasternegotiator.com.
0: Fantastic, Greg. I've got another question for you. And this one should be interesting because you've been doing this for a very long time. But what's one thing you wish you knew when you first started on this journey of negotiation? <laughs>
1: The fact that you're always negotiating, that's my tagline now, because some people think, oh, well, I'm just passing out information, just exchanging conversations, yada, yada, yada. While you are doing that, you are giving those insight clues and cues as to how you might act when you are officially sitting down at the negotiation table. And remember when I said earlier on in this conversation, you have to establish a baseline for how people use different gestures per what those gestures mean to them. When you're engaged in just any type of open conversation, you are giving those insights away for free. A lot of times I walk into an environment when I'm hired by a high net worth client and I'm literally there to observe someone's body language. That's not even aware that we are going to be entering into a negotiation. Some of my high net worth clients have me do just that such that I can lay the groundwork for how someone's body language is being used by them in a calm situation, a non-threatening environment. And thus, I wish many years ago I realized not only the value of uh, being able to read body language, but the fact that you're always negotiating because you're always giving clues into whom it is that you are.
0: That's so amazing. And it is definitely something that we all need to take a moment be a little more self-aware when we're going to walk into Ooh. a space and acknowledge what it is that we want or what we desire from this interaction. And so that way you can be putting your best foot forward, literally, in every conversation.
1: Oh, de- definitely so. Definitely so. Always, always be aware and be mindful of the environment in which you find yourself always
0: Because you never know when those tips and nuggets that you've accidentally given away are going to come back Mm -hmm. and be used against you
1: oh that's the honest to god's truth (laughs) for sure (laughs) definitely so And, and you know to that end if you look at it from a positive perspective also people will migrate towards you based on how you project yourself also take into account Someone that walks into a large, let's say, ballroom, uh, and look at it from two perspectives. The first person walks into that large ballroom and literally starts walking around as close to the walls as they can. Contrast that to the individual that walks into that large ballroom and literally walks right through the middle of it, you know, no hugging the walls or anything else. That in and of itself conveys confidence of the second person versus the first person. Now, can you use it as a ploy? Yeah, you could use it as a ploy. But in, uh, I should say, in most likely the case, that individual that walks through the middle of the room is saying, hey, I'm here. I'm not fearful of what's here. And by the way, I'm accustomed to controlling environments that I'm in. And, and th- that little nuance can highlight someone's character. So much. And and people go, well, hey, I'm I'm just walking into a room. You're doing more than walking into a room. You're walking into an environment in which you are signaling how you feel about walking into that room, that environment.
0: Absolutely. Mm. Amazing. And and I've heard my friend, my good friend, Cindy Martin has said that before too. Do you walk in like an elephant bumbling and like carrying all of this stuff? Do you walk in like a duck? Like... Cheesy grin, happy to see everybody like fluttering about? Or do you walk in like a mouse where you tiptoe and you're kind of like quiet? And I'm sure she listens to this. I'm sure she'll get a kick out of me bringing up her analogies of how we enter a room. But it's true. I mean, and it gives away so much about you in how you enter that space and you don't even realize it. So be very aware of what you're doing when you're doing it.
1: Exactly.
0: For sure. Greg, this has been absolutely delightful. I so appreciate you, your knowledge, your willingness to share it in your time today. I know our audience does too. So please, listeners, go and check out themasternegotiator.com. Get in touch with Greg at themasternegotiator.com so that you can get access to these books and this knowledge so that you can win those deals that you really want to win, that you can help and have the impact that you really want to have with your business, because ladies, we're not cold if we know what we want. It's all about how we approach the situation. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, listeners, for listening.
1: Terry, and thank you for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to share with your listeners the insights that they can use to improve their lives.
0: Absolutely. Anytime. We might need to do this again because it was so good. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you've enjoyed the show, help us share it by leaving us a review. Also, make sure to follow us at SpinFrogs, that's S-P-I-N-F-R-O-G-S, at Facebook and Instagram to be notified about our future episodes.